0: We need to forget our differences and we need to learn how to find common ground and get past some of the cultural hurt and pain that we all have had and look at the realities of like, what is it going to take for us as a global nation to save this planet and, and to, um, to be healthy?
1: Hi friends, that's Q, a.k.a. James Q. Martin a photographer, filmmaker, and most importantly, a dear friend. Q is dedicated to regional and international conservation, and we stepped outside a recent SHIFT event, a new event here in Jackson Hole that is so inspiring on the conservation side and leadership side. If you are looking for a new inspirational conference that is small and intimate and absolutely inspiring, plus an excuse to come to Jackson, absolutely check it out. Shift's mission is to strengthen the coalition of interests devoted to our public lands by investing in the future of young leaders. Again, check Shift out. Q has worked with brands such as Patagonia, Keen, REI, HBO, and editorials like Outside Magazine and National Geographic Adventure. He creates his art to unite people in taking steps to preserve and protect the special places on this planet for future generations. I'm big mountain skier and adventurer, Lindsay Dyer. And this is the Showing Up Podcast. I started these conversations in person with real humans, making a life in the outdoors to inspire the unicorn in you to embrace your weird, do the thing, even if you suck at it, and fully show up for this one wild and precious life, the good and the bad. This is a shorter conversation, one I'm hoping to expand on. But for now, enjoy.
0: Hopefully.
1: (laughs) Let's just, he said he wanted to get right into it. (laughs) (laughs) Hi friends. This is, um, I've got, do you like to be called Q? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It's a pretty badass name. James Q. Martin. The third. The third.
0: Very kingly. It was my um, great grandfather's first name and then it's been carried on. And um, when I was 12, I wasn't all autonomous and said, I want to be James. And later on I was like, wait, I am so silly. I, Q is such a cool name.
1: Right, and there's a gazillion Jameses.
0: Yeah, so it's literally Q, no period, or as Jeremy Collins says, capital Q.
1: Capital Q, <laughs> I like that. So we're sitting here in beautiful Jackson, Wyoming. I'm looking out the window at our first snow of the season. It's it's actually not. We've had so much snow this year.
0: Well, I yeah, I read a little. Yeah. and it dumped uh, last night.
1: So much. is yeah. ridiculous. And uh yeah, and Q is so kind to spend some time.
0: Absolutely. I had the pleasure of going out and experiencing the snow firsthand this morning. Uh with a good You've never friend. seen it before, right? You're I've new never to seen it. snow. It's yeah, totally yeah. new to me.
1: Yeah, he's um, from Alaska and Arizona.
0: Yeah, and I and I <laughs> live in northern Arizona where we actually do have snow. Um, so, went out with Luke Nelson and we made some photos and ran around a little bit. Um, Alpine start. Who's
1: Luke Nelson? Let's uh, just build context.
0: Oh, a little New- Luke Nelson just a is little a little name dropping. Yeah, he's a trail runner, um, Patagonia athlete, really beautiful man who um, is a doctor, a dad, and a conservationist and uses his storytelling to tell important stories. Awesome. Um,
1: and you do the same. Q's a photographer, if you don't know, and a filmmaker. Yeah. Well, let's just get right into it.
0: Let's get into it. Um, yeah, so I started my career around '97 when I essentially left the uh, dream of going to medical school and started screwing around with a camera. And in 2002, I sold my first photo ever, and thankfully it was a client for Patagonia and got a two-page spread. And and I just even had an image in the most recent catalog. And so you know, 15 plus years with that company, um, become friends with the Chenards, and it, it's just been a really Look like family to me. Um,
1: what made you make that switch to, from the traditional path?
0: Um, I decided, I, t- I broke my ankle actually, and I twisted it this morning, so I'm really feeling all of the love right now. 20 <laughs> years ago today. Um, Interesting. Uh, not exactly today, but I think right around, we're almost to the date. Anyways, I broke my ankle and I just decided, you know, I wanted to study Spanish and I wanted something different. I wasn't sure, and so I started searching. So I I literally got dropped. Were you
1: on the trajectory for med school or were you in med school? I was
0: was, um, working on my microbiology degree undergrad and thought I would go to school. But uh, why would
1: breaking your ankle make you want to leave school when it seems like then you could actually sit in school?
0: It's true. Um, Well, at the time, it was a funny thing. I was living in my van in Jackson uh, the summer prior. I had registered for 16 hours of school. I got... Back to Arizona, um, and one of those funny things when the world just slaps you in the face. Um, My van blew up. Uh, I broke my ankle. I had just, I got my first pro deal, so I had just ordered all this new climbing gear. Um, And I was working as a waiter and going to school, and, and all of a sudden I was destitute. I had no money in the bank. I just blew all my summer savings on climbing gear. Um, I had sixteen hours of school to get to. I had no vehicle, so I ended up dropping a bunch of classes. you
1: were in it... Jackson at that time
0: i was I spent the summer in Jackson okay and then <clears throat> went home and I started the fall semester was like psyched on everything, blew up my van the first week next week I bro- broke my ankle uh, and I found myself destitute and I found myself needing help from friends and I had a lot of downtime. my ankle injury required that I was you know keeping it elevated it was hard to get to class so I dropped from 16 hours to 6 and a good friend suggested that I just go to Guatemala and study Spanish and take a semester off and and reevaluate cuz she could she was a little older than I was she was with me when I broke my ankle and she's like you know just get a bottle of tequila sit under a tree study Spanish and and find yourself a little bit more on that trip, I met a, a, a French photographer, and he and I had an amazing time. And I was I was traveling literally with small backpack, one camera, two shirts, that kind of travel. How old were you at this time? I was like twenty four, okay, twenty five. Yeah, and and um. Did you feel like a failure? Like, what did your parents think? My parents, oh man, I remember my dad. I came back and I told him I wasn't going back to school. He was like, "What are you gonna do, dude? You're gonna like." spend your life living out of a backpack and taking photos? And I had to own it. And I said, yeah, I think so. And so I decided to go for it as a photographer. And, and I made uh, my living at that point as a rigger. And I would rig um, basically climbing industrial structures, working contracts, and then I'd go out and shoot.
1: Let's talk about that. Like, Just break that down for anyone who doesn't quite understand.
0: Industrial rigging? Yeah. Yeah, so I would climb in stadiums. We'd climb up into where the lights are. I'd hang the lights, hang speakers, put in motors. I'd climb cell phone towers, climb. We would do sound panel installation where we'd literally climb out of the catwalk, go up into the horizontal steel. And I was able to make you know good money uh, in short periods of time, and I would go f- <clears throat> full-on like expedition style. I would just go and be like, okay, I have three months. I'm going to go as hard as I can.
1: But these are in urban environments.
0: It was urban environments. I was like L.A., Atlanta, Denver, several places that were kind of soul-sucking. But then I would go and I would live in my van and I would, I didn't really even have a, I never even signed a lease in my life till I was like almost over 30. Uh, and, and then I kind of started getting more serious. And then in 2002, a good friend, John Bircham, was like, you know, what are you doing with your photos? And I said, well, I was like, I didn't feel like I was ready yet. I wanted to have a base. And he's like, if you don't send some photos to Patagonia, I'm going to send them for you. Mm. And I sent 20 slides. They kept two. And a month later, they printed one. And the photo team was like, you know, you're from Flagstaff. There's a long history of photographers from there. Um, let's send you some product, and let's start getting you to submit more, more you know, available times, and and started getting some structure. And I just kind of weaned myself from the rigging, um, and eventually got the photo career going.
1: Nice. What was your thing? Like what?
0: Oh, as far as photography, yeah. cl- climbing, really climbing specific. I was so focused on that, and but that even within that,
1: it, you know, like what's what's your style? Would you um, say?
0: I would is say, it tight? Is it wide? You know, is it
1: small, human, giant oh, yeah. landscape? Like,
0: well, and I still kind of practice this. One, um, I was too poor when I first started this whole thing to afford really nice colored film, so I shot a ton of black and white, and mm. I'd process it myself. And so, I love that when
1: like the restrictions make you more creative. Exactly,
0: you know? and so you'll see that in my work where I really try to work with shadows and, and the kind of the hard edges. And I like things that are contrast-based, uh, luminous and illuminate edges, those kind of spaces between. And I always kind of think if you can get a a, a landscape and it takes your breath away, and then if you can bring the human element into that, uh, I think that's kind of the the place that I really like to be.
1: Nice. What uh, about like, I don't know everybody in some ways wants to be a photographer, right? But I find so often it's about these big fancy lenses. What's your thought on that? You know, these cinematic, beautiful images that you assume you can get, but then it's all about the lens. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, totally. Um, You know, you can't deny good glass when you do have that opportunity to shoot something. What I mean by good glass is like, Really nice optics,
1: right, so if you can't afford that, for example, like what would you say to people i think it's
0: I think it's all about the story story is king, mm. no matter what, and if you can take the time to really find the narrative within it or find the spirit within it you you will ultimately succeed and and I think for as far as like it's a little cliche, but the best camera you can get is the one that's in your hand. And, like, I love shooting, and I'm totally guilty of overshooting on my iPhone, you know, for instance. I think that...
1: So how has the landscape changed? And I don't want to take too much time, because I know you have important things to talk about, but obviously that was, like you said, in the 90s, and now it just seems like everyone calls themselves a photographer. I myself, with my iPhone. Yeah, (laughs) You know what I mean? And the
0: quality is so great. right. Um, I I think that everybody is a photographer. Everybody is an artist. Everybody is a storyteller. It's just a matter of how much you want to develop that. If you, if but you, how
1: do you do that when that's your life and and that's your income and and the competition is so steep and everyone's giving all their stuff away these days? Do yeah, you not I, feel that?
0: I do. I do feel that. I feel that pressure. And and I think that you you find a you find a balance where. Like for instance, Patagonia, the North Face, some of the brands that I work with, they value real photography. I'm not saying real photography in like in a pretentious sense, but there is just people that have eyes for it. and there's a certain architecture that you see and a really powerful image and a soulfulness there. But outside of that, I mean, I think I encourage people to be storytellers, artists. Jeremy Collins, for instance, a really good friend. He's always, like, pushing me to draw and I paint. I love that guy. And push If you don't know, know Jeremy science.
1: Collins' art, look it up right now.
0: Yeah, jerrycollins.com. He's, he's the man. And I, I worked on a project with him for five years, and he taught me a lot about really ultimately storytelling and and finding the heart, the soul, the narrative in it. And I think that everybody is a photographer. Everybody is an artist. I mean, I'm just repeating, but it's true. For instance, we did a film together called Drawn, and then he made a book as well that goes along with it. And he took all my really beautiful photos and he matte finished them. He drew all over them. He changed the saturation levels Crazy amount, they're not the same photos. And when I saw the book at first, I was like,
1: oh, What did you do to my what work? What did you
0: do? I was picturing like these double page spreads where the image really spoke to itself. So, and did
1: he print it and then draw on it, or did yeah. he print, draw in the computer?
0: He drew and printed, and some of them have like you know, uh, just drawings and handwritten stuff all over them, and they're not my photos anymore but also it's a compliment to have him take and do his magic to them and i think that is also speaks to that like you know where it doesn't really matter um in the end how beautiful the image is i think i think it's really about like what can you tell within those those stories or within those images you see yeah so let's talk
1: about that what are the stories you're telling right now
0: um, the stories I'm telling that uh, go into a couple of different things. I think the one that's really relative is that I've been doing a lot of storytelling for Protect Our Winners, and I've been just really enjoying the conversation that we've been having over there. Uh, we made a little film called Dear Mr. President, where we interviewed 28 children from the ages of five, actually four to 20, or. Excuse me. We interviewed 28 kids from the ages of 4 to 15 and we asked them what the realities are of climate change and what they want to see our president currently do and to give context we're talking about President Trump. Hard to even get that out of my mouth that that is our president, but it is. And and the kids really, you know, they just took the time to tell tell the president what they thought and that that it's his responsibility to have a safe and uh, prosperous and and um, beautiful future for all of us.
1: Where did you find these kids? And was this your idea? Like, h- how did you get that from from concept to?
0: Farm? Yeah, it, it was my idea. I thought that um, it came from a good friend of mine's daughter, Mary Jane's daughter. Um, she she wrote this letter and she said, "If I was president, this is what I'd do." And and I saw it on Facebook. man, that's really cool. And it was like, you know, in the letter, she's like, I think that, you know, my favorite thing is to ski with my parents, find deer and apple pie. And if I was president, we'd all be able to ski. We'd all see animals in the woods and we'd all have more apple pie. And that was the genesis of it. And Protector Winners wanted to do something that was really around the Paris Agreement, and when that was still in the flux if Trump was going to pull out of that. You know, that was 20 years in the making um, with all the UN, et cetera. And so that, that film was really fun, and I'm continuing to do a lot of storytelling for Protect Our Winners. I think they have um, such a strong voice, and the ski sports, and outside, even outside of that, the outdoor industry is really, at this point, putting its big boy pants on so to speak, and, or big girl pants, whatever you want to call it, um, big girl panties, all that. You got
1: so much PC.
0: Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Mm-hmm. A- and, and um, Big girl,
1: big boy, big... Big, big um, everybody. Big everybody <laughs> <laughs> of color and of... <laughs> we're here at this conference right now, and it's all about diversity in the outdoors. And it's an interesting topic. It's almost like the more you call out, you know, we're seeing so much, you know, People of color climbing, it, it's almost, it almost creates more separation of sorts. You know, I, I've struggled with this too. You know, I made an all-female ski film and it's like, why do we need to, we never wanted to call it the female ski, ski film. We just wanted to call it a ski film, you know? Um, and so that's such an interesting topic, but we don't need to go there because um, we have like 15 minutes. All right. Actually, like four minutes. Oh my gosh. So I just want you to be able to get out what you your sure. message. And you've done such cool things. And here I go again, taking it away. But can I ask you, Please. H- how, how do you get paid to protect the planet? You know what I mean? I feel like so much of us would say, Oh, well I know for me, if I could afford to do it all the time, that's all I would do, but I don't have a trust fund and, and I got to get paid. Right. And so how y- you're doing it? Like right?
0: <laughs> sometimes it goes on credit cards. Um, <laughs> and then, and then the commercial job pays it back. I think that right now people are really valuing the realities that we're facing in th- this tragic time. We, and what we, are the
1: answers, too? Like, I don't have the answers.
0: The I answers feel like just the...
1: existing is, hurts our planet. You know, sure. The best thing you can do right now to help our planet is to not have kids and to stop breathing.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> not do so anything. True. Well, they say the biggest thing the biggest cause of climate change right now or for the biggest thing that we can actually do anything to turn the scales is refrigeration. If we could revamp refrigeration, mm-hmm. that's number one in Food the world. waste. Yeah. And just like, and how Freon and how we refrigerate uh, as a global society is a really interesting thing. And secondly, um, another one, yeah, education in third world countries and around the realities of why we don't need a gazillion kids and what that means. And so more education in and, and the realities of- Or is
1: it just birth control?
0: could be, I mean, you know, we have a vice president that, doesn't, that wants uh, you know, super, super stringent abortion laws which is just completely crazy to me. I mean, we have to evolve as a consciousness completely and we have to embrace, and I, I don't want to sound righteous, um I'll tell a really fast, quick story that I told um, the Native American leaders who spoke last night here at Shift after their after their talk. I was in the Arctic and I was about five weeks into an expedition where we were looking at the f- effects of a proposed road in the southern end of the Brooks range. that would run from the Hall Road west to a town called Ambler, and they want to extract copper there. They want to put in an industrial road for for copper and silver, et cetera. And it had been raining for like five or six days straight. And finally, the deluge dropped and, and the clouds started apart and we started paddling. And that evening when the sun set, you know, it was like 11 or 12 at night, the sunsets in the Arctic at that time of year, late summer, they last forever. they just kind of endless beauty. And this rainbow came out. And as a photographer, I've been trained, when you see a rainbow, you shoot immediately because it's gone in minutes. Well, this rainbow stuck out and it stayed out for like, I would say almost two hours. And it was a photographer's dream and a filmmaker's dream. And we were a small crew of five, a lot of cameras. And we were shooting all these different scenarios. And then I went down and I placed a camera to shoot a time-lapse And a a rainbow actually is a full circle and it's the horizon line that um, usually gets in the way and you don't really see those full circle rainbows. And I got down to the water's edge and there it was, there was a full circle and it was these very vibrant colors, um, some of the the most vibrant I've ever seen in a rainbow. And I had this little epiphany and the epiphany was that it's all... cyclical and and the reality is is that we all are on this planet together and we have all these colors and we're all these different stories some of the colors were bigger and smaller and from a um, analogy perspective what i came away with was that we all need to let our differences uh, we need to forget our differences and we need to learn how to find common ground and get past some of the cultural Cultural hurt and pain that we all have had, and look at the realities of like, what is it going to take for us as a global nation to save this planet and, and to to be healthy? And so I think it's it is. It's like that rainbow warrior philosophy that was was put in this age of Aquarius. and get a little uh, esoteric here, but I really saw it there at that. And I think that's what it's going to take. I don't think it's like one thing it's it's the acting locally and thinking globally for sure is is gonna be what is gonna get us out of this
1: where do you take your inspiration from are there books that I'm like where did you get your age of Aquarius
0: talk you know or belief system my mom for sure was the one who uh, really taught me some of those esoteric things um and I just read things that I can. I really still love to read print, and I still love having a book in my hand. And I think it's, you know, I have to train myself to stay away from these devices and and do things like, okay, 15, 20 minutes before bed, I'm going to actually just read paper or I'm going to meditate. Um, so I think it's taking the moments of silence um, and I think it's taking time to breathe if, if it's even meaning like in an urban environment going out on top of your roof and just sitting there quietly for a little bit. So I try to take time every day to be quiet. And I, for me, I mean, I kind of have to push my body to be happy, so to speak. And, and so like this morning, I got up at seven. We run up, ran up to the top of the resort here and, and ran down. And, um, and that sets me up. You know, 6 a.m. yoga class is a pretty, pretty common thing for me. Um, And I think, you know, waking up early, staying up late is my deal. And and I just, I read, Galen Rowell was one of my heroes. I've read almost all of his books, et cetera. And and he was the guy that really set things forward. But I think surrounding yourself, I, I don't like traditional school. I didn't do well in school. I mean I, I can when I wanted to and on my way to medical school I was realizing that this was going to be a serious struggle for me because I just don't like to learn traditional ways I'm more of like a craftsman I like to kind of blacksmith mentality learn a craft under and so when I started my photography career I took on mentorships and, and as a filmmaker that is that transition happened about eight years ago so now I do both and ride the line between and I did the same thing as with With filmmaking too I just sought really smart people and I I think that's the biggest thing is like surround yourself with people that are caring surround yourself with people that love you and also just like remember that um, it's a collective it's not it's a community so to speak that that it requires and you know it sounds like a d-bag in the regard of like letting the ego go and you know this morning was like Luke you're going to kick my butt going up this hill, you know, this is what you do, so I'm going to draft and you're going to cut trail, and I think being humble like that and just being like, hey dude, I'm hurting, you know, maybe you can take my pack for a little bit, and those kind of things I think is super important where you find equal, equal ground, and like tonight's talk um, that we're going to do here, it's all around finding um, common ground, and I'm not really a big fan of the word diversity, I think it's overused and overplayed, but I think finding common ground within the narrative that you're you're around is is super important
1: totally hear that awesome yeah. where can we find your work and the things you're most proud of right now
0: yeah you can find my work at qstories.com or jamesqmartin.com and um, some of the work that i'm really proud of is with what i've been doing with protector winners and Unfortunately, we didn't get into it, but I've been spending a lot of time with Tompkins Conservation and Chris and late Doug Tompkins. And um,
1: I just want to go over there, too, and just hang out in the jungle, if she'll let me.
0: <laughs> yeah, she's a really, really beautiful person. Um, and those that don't know, the Tompkins have protected more land than any single individuals in human history, and um, they're about to sign a decree for five new national parks and give a gift to the Chilean government of 1.1 million acres that will be leveraged into over 13 million acres of protected lands in perpetuity, which um, is really inspiring. That's
1: Mike kind of Honey, Shiro.
0: She is so amazing. Yeah. And the late Doug Tompkins. Um, and, and, and I made a little film called Douglas Tompkins, A Wild Legacy. And if you haven't seen that, it's a 15 minute succinct uh, s- story of Doug's life and the importance of it.
1: Cool. Check it out. Thanks Thank you so much, Q. Thank you. Lindsay. We got to hang out. We're going to do something.
0: Yeah, whatever yeah. you want.
1: Okay. I have oh, yeah. ideas. I I can't wait to share. I'm going to
0: draft. <laughs> no I'm problem. a drafter. No problem. <laughs> I'm not. A, not no, but athlete. actually
1: thanks for saying that. I think guys these days need role models just as much, if not more than than women. And a man that can stand up and say I need help and, and honor that, I think is a huge role model for all guys to say, "Oh, it's okay to I don't show any vulnerability and that actually is strength. So thanks for sharing that.
0: Yeah, chivalry is not dead, I promise. Oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, see you soon. See ya.
1: Thanks so much for listening, friends. If you enjoyed this conversation or any of our podcasts, give us a review on iTunes, spread the word, and don't hesitate to reach out to me on the socials if you are particularly inspired. I love to share that stuff and it helps me become better. And be sure to reach out to Q and let him know if you enjoyed the conversation. His Instagram is James Q Martin. That's at J A M E S Q M A R T I N. Until next time, I'm Lindsay Dyer, reminding you to show up, even if you suck at it, because we only get this one wild and precious life. See you in the mountains, unicorns.